Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. I, like Colton, am very pumped about luncheon after church today. So I just want to remind you, you've already heard, but we hope you'll come. I thought about running down there and giving you like a chest bump, but I decided not to. Yeah, fist bump to either one. Also, um, last week is our monthly week where we go to the, the nursing home to sing. But last week, the teens and parents and I were at the retreat. And so we're going to sing this Sunday. And when I messaged uh, Valerie at the, at the nursing facility and asked if this week would be good, she said, said there is a group coming to sing at one already. She said it'd be great if y'all wanted to join them. So after luncheon, if you'd love to, if you'd like to, I am going to be going to the Good Old Witcher Nursing Facility at 1 p.m. And I'd love it if you would join me. And we're going to be there and we're going to sing along with the group that's there. I think they're, they're doing Christmas carols up and down the halls with the residents. So it'll be great. I think it'll be awesome if it's a bunch of us. But I think it'll be okay if it's it's just me and Vicky. So I think we'll, we'll enjoy that. But I, I hope that you'll... Uh, Hope that you'll come. All right, so uh, I began this a couple weeks ago. Very thankful for Tim for subbing for Can we give Tim a round of applause for being willing to sub for me? I appreciate that. Um, so we've got two weeks between now and Christmas and two sermons that I'm, I'm very excited about. But I, first I have to tell you about one of my interns that I had one summer. I had a summer intern when I was a youth minister in Katy. Her name was Katie Norwood. Now her name is Katie Taylor. And she had this habit of doing something that I think it happens maybe some other teens and college students do this. But she had this habit where she would say that everything was, this is the best whatever ever. Or, oh, that is the worst ever. So everything was, there was no middle ground. There was no such thing as like, you know, this Sonic corn dog is pretty good. She's like, oh, 50 cent corn dog night at Sonic? That is the best corn dog ever. And I'm like, okay, okay. So she, would, she was always doing that. And I remember over time it would wear off. You know, Catherine would be like, you're doing it. I'm like, what? And she's like, you just said that that's like the best, you know, chips and salsa you've ever had. Um, but we use big words sometimes. Sometimes we do this thing where we'll use big words to describe everyday things. And the problem with that is, as you can imagine, if you constantly are using enormous words to describe everyday things, you're in a real pickle when you're trying to describe things that are actually pretty incredible. If I spent a lot of time going, man, this sandwich is just the most incredible thing I've ever had. And then... Catherine and I take a trip to Norway and we see the Northern Lights and I go, man, this is just the most incredible thing I've ever seen. She's like, so it's about as good as a turkey sandwich. You know what I mean? I've lost, the second you do that, you've lost the room to talk about things that are amazing. I've said it many times in here. Every time I say, man, I love this ice cream, it cheapens the word love because then when I turn around and say, I love my kids, now all of a sudden it's like, well, you love ice cream too. Which is it, you know? Okay. There are these rare moments in our life where we want to try and express something that is, and get ready for this word, I'm going to be saying it a lot today. We want to express and describe something that is truly transcendent. Say that in your head, transcendent. Something that is beyond anything we've ever seen or we could imagine. And when we try to use words to describe it, all of our words don't do it justice. Like, whenever you go outside, this morning there was a beautiful sunrise, if you didn't get to see it. But if you see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, and you take a picture, and then later you show someone, look at this sunset, look at this sunrise, and they're like, 
That's that's pretty. But you're like, no, trust me, this was unbelievable. And you know that feeling. You take the picture with your camera, and then whenever you print it, you're like, that's not what I took. I took something that I can't even put words to, and this is okay. And we have these moments where we see things, or we experience things that are unlike anything we could ever imagine, and when we try to put words to them, we just don't have the words that can do it. We all have... Memories. I hope. I hope you have memories like I do, where I have memories of church camp with friends. I have memories of childhood moments with friends. I have memories of retreats with students. Memories of of mission trips. Where if you told me like, how was it? I just say it was unbelievable. Well, tell me about it. Nothing I say is going to do justice to how special it was. Nothing is going to describe like you had to be there to experience that feeling that I have. Uh, a good example, um, this, is, this is something I often think about. You know, when someone says like, oh man, this, this experience was incredible. You can't even imagine it. And then people come back and they go like, oh no, I know what you're talking about. And you're like, no, you don't. It would be like me watching a video that always makes me cry of soldiers coming home from the war and their family, their, their spouse and their children embracing them. And I'm watching it, you know, I'm like, you know, where's the Kleenex? I'm kind of getting emotional seeing this. I can't say, oh, I know what that's like, right? I can't say that. Only that person in that moment who knows their relationship with their children and with their spouse, they're the only ones that get to say what that was like. And if you were to ask them, well, tell me about it. They'd be like, I can't. There's nothing I could say that could ever do justice to, to that moment that we had. I've, I've heard uh, Kat Kennedy lives here in town. She talks about the first time Cliff went off to Iraq and came back. And she says, I get so annoyed whenever people are like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the military. Uh, yeah, I, I know what that's like. And she's like, you don't. You were not me with a brand new baby for the first months and years of my life being a single mom with a baby while my husband is in Iraq. You can't tell me you know what that was like when he came home, that feeling, okay? That is what I would call a transcendent moment, something that is just beyond anything we can put words to. Another example of a transcendent thing or moment, me talking about my grandparents' land in Salado, where I grew up, my Fortress of Solitude, this place that's special to me, it's something that, there's something about it that, oh yeah, we have family land too. I would say, well, you don't know this for me. I was here a, um, a week ago for James Birch's funeral, and if you had heard Ronnie Lairdon talking about their family ranch that they've had for fifth, the fifth generation ranch, Colton and I were in the back listening going, man, that sounds special. And he would tell you, you can't understand what that family land means to me. It is something that you won't ever be able to put words into because this is the... He he said, I've always called him Birch. He's always called me Lairdon. Because there's something that we believe that... He said, I think deep down, it's like, no, we're just a little blip in the story of the family land. He talked about it like it was sacred. Okay? That is an example of something where all of us could go, oh, well, you know, my family had... 20 acres in wherever, and he'd go, okay, whatever you say, you don't know my relationship with what I'm talking about. It is transcendent. It's beyond anything that you could grasp. So I'm going to come back to that word. Like I said, you're going to hear me say transcendent. You can keep a tally. Tell me how many times I say it by the time it's done. But I'm going to come back to that in a second. A word that I like to use and throw around a lot when discussing God and the story of Jesus is the word paradox. If you're not familiar with paradox, it's just when someone says something that seems to contradict itself. And the story of Jesus is packed full of paradoxes. Let me just list a few. Jesus says the first will be last. Wait, what? Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? That's a... 
paradox. Jesus, Jesus is the king who washes his followers' feet, the act of the lowest servant. The, the way that Jesus became enthroned as king was by dying on a cross, a Roman torture instrument. All these things are contradictory, but yet they are also true. They exist in that paradox. And one of the greatest paradoxes that we have in all of God's story is what we're going to talk about the next two weeks, which is the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ is a moment where we say, the God who created the universe, who is the greatest transcendent thing in the whole world that we can never imagine or grasp, decided to be born on earth, and not just in any way, but in the form of a baby that was born just like the rest of us in a poor person's family in a poor home in a manger. That is a paradox, or another word that I'm going to use just here, but it's something that you should maybe consider. It is an antinomy. By the way, this is where we get the word deuteronomy. Deutero means second, nomi means law. Antinomy means two necessary truths. They have to be true that appear to contradict each other. And so for the next two weeks, we are going to be talking about an example of one of these. We're going to be talking about something where it has to be true that God is transcendent and it has to be true that God is incredibly present in our world. So this Sunday, I'm going to be talking about the transcendence of God, how at the birth, we see the transcendence of God. And next week, I'm going to be talking about how at the exact same time, we see the presence of God, the willingness to say, I'm going to come and be among you. Okay? And there is very few places, you can look at other places in the Bible, but there are few that are just as powerful and clear as these two truths being one in Jesus. By the way, I'll give you a little note. The reason I came up with this idea is because next week is Christmas Eve, and we're going to be talking a lot about presence, right? So we're going to be talking about Jesus' presence. Look at that. That's some preacher pun stuff right there. If, I, if you can believe it, that's some serious preacher pun stuff. So, okay. My hope, though, is that during this week and next week, when we spend a lot of time talking about and looking at how in the manger, in Christ, we see both the presence and the transcendence of, of God in Jesus, that God is fully transcendent and fully present in the manger, that when we see that, it not only transforms how we look at Christmas, but more importantly, it transforms how we look at everything around us. How throughout Scripture, throughout our story, you can't take away the transcendence of God's purpose in our lives and the presence of God in our lives. Those two conflicting things at work among us and in us. So, let me give you a few examples in Scripture of the transcendence of God. And then we're going to look at examples of the transcendence of God in the birth narrative story. First is a great example. Isaiah 55, 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I am. You can't even imagine and picture what God is thinking and what God is feeling. He is so beyond us. Another good example, I'm not going to read all of it, but... In Job, when Job says, God, I want you to come and defend yourself and tell me why I'm going through all this. I want you to bring it to me in terms that I could understand. And God doesn't go, okay, well, let me break it down for you. He says, how am I possibly going to explain this to you? Where were you when I founded the earth? Where were you whenever I marked the earth's dimensions? Surely you know when I stretched the measuring line across the earth. And you, you know where the footings are and the, the cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. He's just saying, 
I can't possibly try to fit this. The analogy that I used to hear a lot when I was a kid was, it would be like us, we, our understanding is like a soda can, and us trying to scoop up the whole ocean in that soda can. It's like, this is, this is never going to be able to hold everything. And this is a picture of the transcendence of God. Now, now let's look at a few places that we see it in the birth narrative, and I'm even going to reference some Christmas hymns that I like. In Isaiah 9, 6-7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever." This, to me, sounds like someone who is trying to put words to something that you can't put words to. Doesn't it? Doesn't it sound... He's he's saying, this this child that's going to be born, he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. He's going to be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, which is it? Is he a child or is is he the Everlasting Father? Which is it? He's saying, I can't put this into words. This is indescribable. This is unimaginable. And yet, this is me trying to express to you what is going to happen on that night. Luke 2, 8 through 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. How, what, what was that like? How cool would that have been? And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. You'll notice this was another good sermon series to do, but every time an angel appear, appears to Mary or to Joseph or to anybody and say, shows up, the first thing that they do is that they're afraid, and the first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. The glory of the Lord showed around them. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you the gospel, the good news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Anointed One, the Lord. He will be assigned to you. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. He's saying, oh, the Messiah has been born. You you know the way you're going to be able to find it? Is you're going to see a baby in a manger. I kind of almost wonder if the angels are like, so when we get there, there's going to be a baby in the corner... And the Messiah is going to be over here. Like, can't you imagine? They're like, okay, let's look for a baby in a manger. But surely that's not the anointed one. He's saying, no, you're going to show up and you're going to see this. So then it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Not that this is worth spending a lot of time on, but a lot of times we imagine that a bunch of angels show up. That is not what it says. It says the heavenly hosts show up with the angels. And usually that's a reference to stars and things. So you see this enormous night sky open up and the host appears of the angel praising God saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So the glory of the Lord is said, the glory, you know, they sing glory to God. And when they experience all of this, they are in awe and wonder. And what's the first thing that they say to themselves? Let's go and see. We're going to come back to that later. But you see in this, this transcendent moment has happened. A messenger has not come that said, hey, y'all, guess what? I heard that there's a baby crying in a manger. Let's go see it. The heavenly host decided to show up to say, hey, this is not just any ordinary birth. This is a transcendent birth. Matthew 2, 9-11. After they had heard the king, 
the Magi, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Often in the movies, it shows a a star in the sky that's shining over Bethlehem. This is not that. This is a picture of literally them following a moving star. And then it stops over the manger where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. You don't bow down and worship something that's not special, transcendent. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is no ordinary king. This is one that instead of having a person that comes and says, guess what? A child has been born. This is one where the herald is literally a star in the sky. A heavenly host showing them the way to the king. And one whom they decide, we're not only going to say, wow, this is really cool. They're going to worship and they're going to bring extravagant gifts fit for a king. Let's look at, I'm going to reference two of my favorite Christmas hymns. Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. This is not just an ordinary thing. The everlasting light has been born in in the dark streets. And all the hopes and all the fears of all the years are met in this child. Or another one, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Doesn't that sound special to you, transcendent? So here are the two things that I want you to think about, two big ideas to take away from what is all this transcendence language about. And like I said, next week, I'm going to be talking to you about why it's important that we not only have a transcendent Messiah, but we have a present Messiah. And I'll just warn you, it's a lot easier to tell people why it's good news that we have a present Messiah, right? That's easy to explain. Why is it good news that we have a transcendent beyond out of our imagination Messiah? Well, here are two ideas. One, one of my professors used to always say, to be a theologian is to be a failure. That's what he'd always say. By the way, he was a theologian. Randy Harris would always say, to be a theologian is to be a failure because the definition of a theologian is someone who is trying to put words into describing God who by nature is indescribable. So just the act of trying to say this is who our God is, this is who our Savior is, is by nature knowing that you're signing up for a failing thing. Because in His nature, He is not something that can be contained or known or defined. You following me? Every attempt to do this will fall short. And so the, the first big idea I want you to consider is that when we consider this transcendence of God, His unimaginable nature, it should leave us with one realistic option, to be in awe and wonder at the majesty of God and the fact that we can never fully understand Him and never fully grasp Him. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, this, a theologian says, God is further from us and nearer to us than any other being. Let me read that again. God is further from us, transcendent, and nearer to us, present, than any other being. Doesn't a line like that just make you want to like stop in your tracks and be like, wow, our God's amazing. You know? Doesn't it just make you stop and think, what else am I supposed to do but just be in awe of who our God is? I think some of our most beautiful psalms and songs that we have are people just sitting there with a, a I'm guessing a parchment or back in the day, you know, with, with uh, something different than that. Just trying to sit down and go, I want to try and put words into how much I love our God, how steadfast He is. I'm trying to put words into the majesty of what He's created. And every attempt I have falls short. And yet, I'm going to keep trying in awe and in wonder. So, listen to this logic. When we consider the transcendence of God at Christmas, 
we become people who are open to the wonder of God. When we become people who are open to the wonder of God, we see His glory all around us. And like the shepherds, when we see the glory, we will pursue and try to find Christ. Let me say that again. When we consider the transcendence of God at Christmas, we become people who are open to the wonder of God. And when we become people who are open to the wonder of God all around us, then we see His glory in everything. And when we're like the shepherds, when we do see His glory, we are going to be people that say, I've got to go see about this anointed one. Okay? The second big idea that I have for you is, often in life, you hear people say something like this, well, I just don't know how this world's going to get any better. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Man, this, this world is going to hell in a handbag or whatever. What, that's a phrase, right, people use? Is that a phrase? You hear that all the time. I believe that when you consider the fact that God says, I am planning on renewing and restoring this world, that is something that left to our own devices, with our own power and our own strength and our own shortcomings, that is never going to happen. Does that make sense? Our ability to comprehend that, it's impossible. You and I cannot comprehend how God is going to make all things new. We thankfully have a child who has been born to us who brings a hope that transcends what our minds can imagine and what our reality testifies to. So let me say it like this, if you're a note taker. Our world and our story is beyond hopeless. So God sent a hope that is beyond our comprehension. If it was up to me to be able to understand how God's going to restore all this, that's a very small view of what God's going to do. It's a very small picture because if I can understand it, it's too small. But thank goodness he sent a transcendent Messiah that I'm never going to be able to understand because with that comes a hope that is so far beyond what I can comprehend. So when my world says, well, I sure don't know how God's going to do this. I can't comprehend it. Thankfully, he sent a transcendent Messiah that says, don't worry. You don't have to understand that. Just be in awe of the fact that I am going to restore all of it. Let me read from a a Christmas hymn that I think talks about this. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared... And the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You see what the song is saying? Up until Jesus, nobody was able to comprehend how any of this was ever going to get better. But then he appeared and our soul felt its worth. Our soul felt a hope that says, Today a new morning has broken through. A glorious morning where... Uh, we have a transcendent Savior who is going to be able to take all the world's sin and error pining and going to be able to say that the hopes and fears of all the years are met in Him tonight. So the second big idea is that our world and our story is beyond hopeless, so God's in a hope that is beyond our comprehension. If our Messiah was just another human born in a palace, we wouldn't have much hope. But we could comprehend that. But we wouldn't have much hope. If we've, we, we would say, well, we've seen this movie before. And every time you get my hopes up that this ruler is going to be the answer, they fall short every time. But our Messiah is transcendent. And that the great restoration story is going to be possible because he is beyond what we can imagine being able to be accomplished. So my question for you as we wrap up. If anyone here is looking for a hope 
that is beyond what they can imagine, by the way, the answer to that for all of us is yes, then Christmas is good news for you. And the fact that Jesus came and was this you know, glory to God, peace on earth to all men, is good news for us. Because, I don't know about you, but anytime you're going to go find someone that says, hey, I've got this situation and I need answers to, you can read all the books, you can go online to all of them, none of those solutions are things that are going to work out in the end. They are things that you're going to be able to wrap your mind around. They are things that you're going to be like, oh, I get it. If I just do this and I do that, then yeah, I'll understand it. We've done that for many years with Christianity, where we've said, well, how am I supposed to be made right with God? Well, just do this and do this and do this and never miss this and you're good. That is something that is very easy for us. It is not beyond our imagination, but yet that is not what Jesus came to do. He came to say, my solution is me and I'm so far beyond anything that you can comprehend. But if you choose to have a relationship with me, then I am going to do far more than you could ever hope or imagine with what you think your life is capable of. So if any of you would like to know more about that, if any of you are looking for a hope that is beyond what you can imagine, there's good news in Jesus being born this Christmas. Thank you all for listening. If any of you have any prayer requests, elders are going to be standing at the doors while we stand and sing.